welcome back to this episode of our She Leads the Way podcast, dedicated to women in business and women in life. I'm your host, Nikki Bedford, and today our guest is Kareen Bueri, the head of marketing at Creek Capital, a Dubai-based climate impact investment firm. For over 20 years, Kareen has worked within the B2B marketing, communications, and CSR space, positioning companies and leaders in the most positive light. Acknowledged as a global happiness leader through Synchro, a boutique people engagement consultancy she founded in 2015, Kareen has recently joined the board of the World Happiness Foundation and Festival. As a certified chief happiness officer, Kareen works with universities and consultancies to design and deliver employee and leadership engagement and development programs. While advocating for the sustainability and health of our planet, Kareen is also empowering people along their journeys to self-advancement through her purpose as a coach and trainer and through her passion and as an actor and speaker. Kareen, what a fantastic bio. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Nikki. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for this bio. Please. <laughs> for please. this introduction. Yeah, of course, of Wonderful course. introduction. <laughs> please, I'd love you to start by telling us a little bit about yourself and, and your career. How did you get started? Well, oh gosh, where do we begin? The beginning. The beginning. beginning. Well, I was born in Dubai. Were you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the Iranian hospital, actually. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you can find my birth cert- certificate there. I'll go, I'll go if you there. ever need to prove that I do exist. So. Well, <laughs> I, I do proof. exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You must have seen so much change. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, This was a a desert, right? With a few pop-up houses and buildings around the place. I mean, I was too young as well to really see what actually happened. But by the time I was six, seven years old, I could could see that um, we were living our lives. Now, at the time, this is what I knew and this is what I accepted that... We were living in this place, um, and, and what was wonderful about the UAE back back in the days is we had a very strong community. Yeah. Uh, so I'm Lebanese by origin, and uh, and what was beautiful about or UAE until this day it is still renowned for is its multicultural yeah, um, presence of so many people. Mm. So. I was very lucky to be exposed to such diverse cultures from the very beginning. Yeah. Yes, we did have our own Lebanese community. My parents were friends with my friends' parents, and we were very close, and we did things together, activities, schools, went to the same schools, went to the same uh, things, did piano, guitar, taekwondo, whatever it is, yeah. ballet. And, and, and yeah, but at the same time, we were really exposed to this lovely, lovely kind of multicultural environment that taught me so much about other people. I, For me, race was not an issue. Religion was not an issue. Um, I, I, I was able to love people for who they were from the very beginning. So that's what I thank my parents for coming over here. And at the time, it was the civil war in Lebanon. Mm. So they ran away from the civil war and and actually established their lives from scratch here. And that's and hence my birth. Well, that's, that's your birth. Well, we're very right. grateful for yeah. your birth. It is <laughs> Thank you. really interesting also because I know that it, particularly in Dubai, it's 87% expats. So when you do find people that are actually, that have been born here, they're you're sort of, you know, very unique in a way. I think so. I think so. Uh, and and uh, then uh, when you grow up and then you get to travel, you get to see 
what life is also about. It's yes. not about the bubble that you had been living in for the longest time in the in the UAE. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and and I was fortunate to uh, do my studies, my uh, undergrad studies in Beirut, so in the American University of Beirut. I got to experience life outside of Dubai, which was very different. Um, I actually had a culture shock, even though I'm Lebanese, being in a Lebanese really? environment, I actually went through massive depression, oh, nice. a six to seven months depression, yes, uh, which led to also an eating disorder, okay. and it, which also led to losing certain friendships. Uh, How old were you then? I was 17, 16 oh. and a half, 17, when I, was, when I graduated from high school in Dubai, and then lived alone in the dorms in, in the American University of Beirut. Um, so it was pretty, pretty and, and I was shocked myself. I was yeah. shocked myself. Because technically, it's home, even though Dubai is home. Dubai so was home. It's your roots to a degree. Yes, yes and no, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, my, almost my entire family, both from my dad's side and my mom's side, moved out here. In the UAE. So yes, it became home and it was home. Home is where the heart is, yeah, right? As absolutely. they say, it's where family is. Uh, then you go to Lebanon, your roots, and then it's completely different. Um, the standards of education were quite high. The diversity in mindset mm-hmm. and in lifestyle and in languages was also quite high. I mean, in Lebanon, you had the Frenchies, you had the the guys who spoke English, yes. uh, the guys who spoke Italian. Yes. So you had different schools of thoughts coming together in Lebanon, but as Lebanese, yes. you got you had the hippies, you had the geeks, you had the. Uh, but in Dubai, it was almost sort of like one character. Yeah, wow. A multicultural environment with one character versus Lebanon, which is one. A nationality with a multi-personality yeah. environment. So it was like the reverse almost, mm. which was really strange. It made me think about so many things regarding identity and who we are and how identity can be built through your own choices Absolutely. and being exposed to different things or, or whatever it is. You could be one nationality, but you could embody so many things from so many people. And that's how I decided to build myself and to build my character, to build my personality, taking the best from every single race, every single nationality, every single religion. And I, I build my own persona as yeah. a result. And when, so, so when you were 17 and you were going through those challenges, because that would have been so, one, it's a culture shock. How did you move through that then? Wow, I, I think... Because you're young and you're, yes. you know, starting to understand who you are as a person. You know, I'll tell you that. something. I think the secret is, if I were to compare myself to my own siblings who stayed at the time in Dubai, okay. uh, going through their own trials and tribulations, uh, I must say, uh, we, you know, we, we aren't the perfect family. I haven't come from a, a perfect family. Mm-hmm. There, ha- there has been some brokenness uh, and there has been a lot of, um, well, I'm not going to have to, I, I can't really say a lot of things about it um, for personal reasons. Uh, but when I, when I find myself that I was alone and away from, a, let's say, a toxic environment, I was able to find myself, despite going through my own toxicity myself, the disorder, right? The eating disorder, the the mental fatigue, the emotional disparity. 
um, versus my siblings who were in an environment that was also toxic, but they couldn't get through. Yeah. Somehow being alone, even with the, the trials and tribulations that you have, you manage. Yeah, good you, you find some divine connection, some inner strength exactly to, to get through. Because you, you realize, I'm all alone. There's nobody I can rely on. Yeah. I just have to do, the, do this myself. Yeah, I, have to, I have to do this myself. My parents are not with me. My friends have abandoned me. Who do I have left? Yeah. Just me. I had to learn to be my own best friend. Yeah, I had to learn to be disciplined with getting myself back on track. Yeah. Uh, so I did many things. Like I, I forced, for example, bulimia. I don't know. I'm sure you know what bulimia is. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's not starvation um, like uh, anorexia. It's, it's, it's uh, the other way around. It's when you binge eat and then you just have to purge it all out, whether from up or below. Yes. <laughs> So uh, I, I was addicted to laxative pills okay. at the time. So I'd eat so much and then uh, purge it all out with laxative pills uh, until until I was just extremely bloated, with huge mood swings. My grades in university suffered. And then I said, that's it. I can't do this anymore. So I'd force myself to the bathroom at a certain time every day. I said, at this time, you're going to be doing this. <laughs> It, it, it actually worked after five days. Yeah, yeah five days. I got my digestive tract uh, oh, back, on, back, back in the rhythm. Yes, back in the rhythm. And ever since, it's been absolutely amazing. I'm sorry to be discussing this no, on camera, no, no, but no, it, no. it was a milestone at the time. And then I, I fixed my eating habits. Uh, I was How was your mental health during that time? Oh, wow. When you see progress with yourself, you're like, oh, great, this is great, I'm yeah. doing this, and I'm doing it on my own. Um, but also, I, uh, faith-wise, I became much closer to, to the divine, yes. because I knew I, I couldn't just rely on me, I needed an external force to help me too, or internal, external. Yeah. At the time, I did believe that God was within me, or the divine is within me. I have all the answers I need, but I needed a coach. I needed a mentor, and if I didn't have a human being as a mentor, maybe there were angel guides. There was a divine force that I felt all the time. It I could be even that. me, my higher self. I don't know who it was, but I did feel something, and I just never felt alone. And I would have a conversation with the divine or with my higher self, and even the way I started studying completely changed. It was not about memorizing facts and figures. It was about really understanding the content and enjoying it. Yeah, enjoying it finding the fun in uh, discovering a new piece of information that's so interesting that you say that and i i can relate to that wholeheartedly in the last six months to a year i went through a huge amount of change my whole life sort of took a turn wow great <laughs> but it, it got to a point that it was challenging from a mental health perspective but yeah. i knew that I was going to be okay. Yeah. So yeah. I knew at the time, okay, things aren't great right now and mental health is suffering a little bit. But I also just felt this level, level of support in knowing that everything is going to be okay. Exactly. I felt like I was being looked after. So I knew that I, whatever was coming up needed to happen uh, in order for me to either change direction or be put on the right path. 
and so and then you come through. Well done on you. I mean, you Thank learned you. you learned a secret, yes. and the secret is going through the pain, yeah. going through the suffering. Now, okay, there's a big debate on pain and suffering. What's the difference between the two? Um, so pain is something you will never avoid. There will be pain. There'll be emotional pain and mental pain. And by the way, speaking of pain, uh, did you know that social pain, social pain in the brain uh, is triggered in the same area of the brain as physical pain? Really? So if you were to wound yourself, a part of your brain gets triggered. Yes. A heartbreak the same area in the brain is getting triggered. Really? So social pain is equal to physical pain. That's why it's, it's really painful. I would prefer to be punched in the face sometimes. <laughs> like, I feel like sometimes that pain doesn't last as long. Yeah, uh, yeah, Maybe. yeah. That's so interesting you say. And, uh, and I'll, I, let me tell you a little bit about a 10-day silent retreat I went on before oh the goodness, pandemic. please. So right, I don't think I could ever do it. And being an actor, which we'll delve in a little bit, Yes. I can't imagine that would have been easy for you either. Well, believe it or not, I don't know. You see, I always tell people I'm an excellent actor on stage. I'd like to believe I'm an excellent actor on stage, but I'm a terrible actor in life. Terrible. I can't be anyone else but me. Yes. I really sure. can't. Yeah. I it's can. it's so difficult. And the lies, the lies show on my face. Yes. So I decided, you know what? I'm just not going to lie. I'm yeah. going to be radically honest. Yeah. I'm going to tell people how I feel. Now, being honest can really break hearts, can really um, oh, also... Just to, just to clarify, when yeah. I said actor, I yeah. meant using your voice, not oh, acting. Oh, I mean, okay. You, you know how to use your voice. Like, right. Like, part of your day-to-day. Yes, yes, yes. That's why it would be hard. Not because you were acting every day. You know, I never... I, I thought it would be hard, but I have this other side of me who likes to be silent, and I realized that. Yes. Silence is amazing. Just remaining silent... You, firstly, when you decide to remain silent, you realize how loud your thoughts are. They're so loud. This monkey mind just goes insane, jumping everywhere. And these thoughts are screaming for your attention. That's your ego. That's your ego screaming for your attention. Hey, you're ignoring me. You're ignoring me. Uh, And then just like pain, you just have to go through all these crazy thoughts, all this loudness and noise. Without saying a word. So at what day do you find that it becomes more bearable? For me, it was on the fifth day. Halfway. Halfway. Fourth or fifth. But a lot of people want to quit by the first or second mm, day. They I just can can't. Imagine. They can't tell them. Just telling them this, they'd be like, no, 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 this is not for me. This is totally not for me. No, it is. You just b- believe. I mean, just give it a shot. Give yeah. it a shot. I know it's extremely challenging, extremely excruciating. But when you get out of it, yeah. oh, my God, the rewards. So it's you, so rewarding. you liken it to um, a more heavy set of meditating? Yes, it's yeah. like it's like meditating on steroids. Yeah. So first you learn how to calm your mind yes. through breathing exercises. So just watching your breath. And they and you have to do that for like three days. And then on the fourth day, you learn the technique of uh, body scanning from yes. top to bottom, bottom to top. Uh, it's called Vipassana. So the, 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 this kind of meditation I did is called Vipassana. But there are other types of meditations which are as powerful. Yeah, well. But I'm just sharing with you the experience of silence yes. and meditating and looking inwards and how it truly took me to a place where I finally understood what it is to be happy yes, and what it is to be at peace. 
And it's, it's through experiencing your own cells wow. in your body, your own blood circulation, the sensations, the physical sensations you go through, whether it's pleasurable or painful. Mm. So you will experience pain because you sit there not moving and your body's not used to it. Your ego is not used yeah. to it. Your ego's screaming, hey, stop doing this, stop <laughs> doing this. But once you break through that ego's yeah. chitter chatter, that's where you find you. Yeah. That's where you find your abilities and capacities to do things you never thought you would do on an experiential level. And then when you get out of it and come back into the real world, you realize, you know what? I can handle yeah, difficult people. I can handle my mother, my father, who are really you know, challenging me all the time, every single day, uh, challenging my inner peace. Um, you realize it's not about you, it's them. They just don't have the kind of language or the kind of experience that you've experienced in dealing with stress, in dealing with anger, in dealing with negative emotions, right? And I can imagine also after spending so much time with yourself that you'd probably have a newfound love for yourself too. Absolutely. Because you start to think about, oh, I'm thinking about things in this way or look at how I'm able to get through X, Y, and Z. And you're actually getting to know yourself a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, and knowing your inner inner tools. You have tools within you that you can harness and you can use and and you can, you know, you can harness and use to become a better yes. human being. And, and for me, that has been my purpose in life. Uh, truly, it's to become a better human being every day. Now, where I do it, how I do it, yeah. I know it will reveal itself. Um, in my job, I want to be a better human being. In dealing with others, I want to be a better human being. Yeah. With my family, I want to be a better human being. So every time I catch myself being imperfect, being mm -hmm. angry, being negative, yes. I, I, I remember my purpose. My yeah. purpose is to be a better human being. And, and that's what I strive for on a daily basis. Yeah, in addition to understanding my strengths and capacities and using them and yes. my gifts, right? And sharing them with others. And I guess that's why we're here. Yes. That's why you're here doing this podcast. Absolutely. You have a gift, Nikki. And, and, and you know, you, you relate to people in such a warm way. And, and truly, and I, I live by this quote from Jim Carrey, and he used it in a graduation ceremony. Um, he gave a keynote to graduates yes. in 2014. I'm, I don't remember the university. But this is what he says. He says, the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. Oh, that's beautiful. So, and that shot me in the heart. Oh, wow. And that resonated with me so much because I had an issue growing up that I was never good enough. Mm. Good enough in any... And I was an A student. My friends could tell you how nerdy I was. All I cared about was getting that A, getting that 100%. Uh, but I had issues. I was shy. I was not confident. I had low self-esteem. I had so much to work on. And, and then getting that 45 out of 100 in my physics exam in university really was a huge slap in my face along with my bulimia, yeah. right? So that was huge. And I decided that's it. Yeah. I want to be a completely different human being. Life is not about just getting good grades. It's mm -hmm. about being a good person, Absolutely. being proud of yourself, being at peace with yourself. So, so yeah. No, oh, I love that. 
I'd like to change direction slightly yeah. into happiness. Yes. Because one, I think everyone wants to be happy. Mm -hmm. and I think it's one of the most important things in life is to, to be happy. Yeah. For, I know that you're the chief happiness officer. Can you tell us a little bit about what happiness means to you? Yes. How you got into that role? So everything we just talked about led to me what a great segue. No, actually, exactly. So I want, I want people to understand that it takes a certain human being uh, to, I think, be labeled as a, a happiness ambassador, mm. a chief happiness officer, or just a happy person. Yes. It takes a lot of pain and suffering. Oh, and, and, and we were talking about pain and suffering. So pain is, is, is something inevitable, right? Mm. But suffering is a choice. It's either you choose to be yeah. in the pain and then you, hence you suffer. Yes for a long time, or you choose to break through the pain and become a better human being after that. And we call that anti-agile, anti-agility, coming from the the, the author, uh, Nassim Nicholas Talib, from his book, The Black Swan, okay. uh, anti-fragility. So it's where you, you get hit in the face by life, but you come out a much better yeah. human being rather than you just make it through. Yeah. Right. Uh, anyway, going back to no, happiness. I love that. Actually, I yeah. love that so much because it's almost like that is your marker of success is only how much how you bounce. Yeah. How she can improve as a human. Exactly. How you bounce back up from from trials and tribulations. How you bounce back up yeah. from pain. How long it takes you to bounce yeah. back up. A happy person bounces back up. Uh, relatively faster yes. than others, but that's because they've done the inner work. Mm -hmm. That's because they've they haven't allowed the pain and suffering to stop them yeah. from their purpose. If their purpose is to become a better human being, yeah, so that, that I think that was it. So, chief happiness officer, how did that happen? This title uh, started to circulate, I think, in the West around 2007, between 2007 and 2010. Okay. So quite a while now, actually. Yes, yeah. but it wasn't really welcomed mm. by society, by communities, by corporates. Uh, in 2015, I was actually a corporate person working for uh, a corporate at the time, and then I was made redundant. Okay. But it was in that place that I found my curiosity in employee engagement and employee disengagement, which led to me learning a lot about the science of happiness yes. and how you can hack into your own system, your own bio biology, yes. physiology, psychology to become a better and happier person, yes. whether at work or outside of work. So uh, once I was made redundant in 2015, I decided, how can I... Uh, use my personality to make money from it. So, yeah. uh, so that's a great question be because a, a lot of people have told me, Kareen, there's something about you. When we sit with you, we feel better. Yeah, I you feel make, that. You I make feel us, that. you make us feel good about ourselves. Like, how can I change this into a business? Yeah. <laughs> right? I'm not a psychologist. I'm not um, a, a scientist. I'm. A graphic designer, actually. That's what I studied. Brandon, I didn't know that. Yes. You come out with a new trade every time you <laughs> I know. It's like I'm always in search of the different gifts yes. that I have, right? So uh, that's what I studied at the beginning in university. And we were supposed to go through that at the it's beginning. Fine. But anyway, uh, and I did my master's in leadership and innovation in contemporary media. So 
but in between, in between that and throughout my corporate career, I found my love for training, for coaching. Yes. So I took coaching uh, certifications in neurolinguistic programming and applied neurosciences and positive psychology and the science of happiness. So while I was working and making money, I was actually being curious about the things that I liked. Yes. And I never knew what I liked as a young person. Like I said, I, I only cared about doing these grades, getting yes. these A's. It, it took me a while to understand what I liked. Mm, so it was in 2015, I found my curiosity in employee engagement, which eventually became my purpose. I loved seeing people happy. Yeah. And I couldn't understand why people were miserable at work mm. and why they kept complaining. Why? And, and then I realized the leadership team were in one planet yeah. and the employee base were in another, in another planet. I was like, where, why is this disconnect happening? Then I saw and I felt the lack of trust. Yes. There was a lot of disrespect and a lot of dysfunctional, indirect and passive dysfunctionalities happening between people in their relationships and the way they interact with one another. Yeah. And I just didn't like that. Also, in my career, I witnessed a lot of absenteeism people getting extremely sick, and that was pre-COVID, right? Mm -hmm. And eventually somebody having a heart attack right there in front of me. Oh gosh, that would have been very At work. I even heard from a lot, so I, I have uh, the, my auntie actually, she used to work for uh, a big conglomerate, conglomerate here, mm -hmm. and uh, she was the psychologist uh, of this conglomerate, and she told me, she would have to face a lot of suicide cases and wow. and a lot of deaths. And, and one of the reasons why she left that conglomerate is realizing that I don't want to end up dying on the job, yeah. getting a heart attack on the job. Cardiovascular disease is the, one of the highest rated diseases out there. Yes. And did you know that having a terrible manager is directly linked to the health of your heart? Mm. Imagine that there are research, there are studies out there that show that. Yeah. So imagine when I understood this, when a lot of the research I've done and the studies I came across showed me some of these realities. Yes. It's like, man, we live at work more than we live at home. We deal with people who are not our family members more than we deal with our family members yeah, at home. And then we take our crap that we go through at work and dispose it in our homes and then and then create a toxic environment there because we're unable to manage our stress and anger and whatever. And, and that's a vicious cycle we're creating yeah. in not only in the corporate world, but seeping through into our personal lives. And, and you are just swimming in a disgusting, toxic environment yeah. where human beings are no longer being kind to one another, being compassionate mm -hmm. and being respectful and being trustworthy. And that's disgusting and that's sick. Yeah. And, and we're just, you know, it's like suicide mm. just happening. Uh, you know, as we roll into this life. I mean, it's, it's really, it was a really bad situation. And I decided to take it upon myself to do something about it. Yeah. And hence why I got into happiness. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess um, the million dollar question would be, with all of people's stresses, challenges at work, um, terrible managers at times, <laughs> yes. um, you know, stresses with friends externally, inter internally in the workplace. If someone wants to be happy, what do you, what, how would, what would you, what's the first step? First step is 
learn to accept that your negative emotions and stress are a natural thing. Yes. They're very natural and they're your teachers and they're here to help you change direction, right? Just the way your life changed direction, yes. right? With, with, and just the way my life changed direction with the amount of stress I yeah. went through. Um, in my workshops, I teach a lot about negative emotions and, and the positive intentions behind them. For example, anger. When you feel angry about something, uh, don't dwell into the anger. What the anger is telling you is make a decision. Mm. It's Anger is actually triggering a belief within you. Really? So if you're angry about somebody being bullied, Mm. In your belief system, you, you, you believe that bullying is unacceptable. Yeah. You will not allow this kind, of, this kind of thing. You get angry. So how do we respond to that? We usually respond reactively. Yeah, we go, we shout, we scream, we try to stop the fight. Yeah. We, we, we shame the other person who's bullying that when we don't understand that the bully himself or herself is actually going through things that we don't understand and we're not being even compassionate with the bully. We're, we're only being compassionate with the victims. Yeah. But when you're only acting towards the victims, you're enabling them to be victims and to continue being victims in their lives. Mm. So it's really, really interesting. compassion is about com being compassionate and caring to both sides mm. of, of this thing that's actually happening, the good and the bad. So, um, we have to learn how to stop ourselves from reacting. So when, when stress and, and negative emotions reveal themselves, yes. cap, catch them. Yes. Say, ask yourself in that nanosecond, where, number one, where in my body do I feel it? Mm. So uh, uh, find it. Yes. Take your hand and could be your chest, could be your stomach, could yeah. be your legs, could be your head. Just acknowledge where it is in your body. Yeah. Okay, for you yeah. it's here. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Previously. So, so no. very quickly, you gotta just find that place. Secondly, ask yourself what what it is that is triggering this anger. Mm. Is it coming from me and my insecurities, or is it coming from another place? So you have to identify where this anger or where this negative emotion or stress is coming from. Instead, and then third. It, don't react. Just yes. pause. Yes. Be silent yes. for a second. And this is, uh, and the reason why meditation is important, where silent retreats are important, because they teach you mm. how to catch yourself, how to pause, mm. how to be silent, and then choose your response to that yes. stimuli. And not only that, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And, uh, it's funny because when you're reacting to something so quickly, you're only reacting to whatever has tr been triggered within you yes. rather than looking at what the whole situation exactly. is or what the intention perhaps could have been. Or So that's, I, I agree, one thing I've always been taught is to pause, is to never pause. react immediately. Pause. You know, even yes. with an email from a, from a manager or from a client. Absolutely. Or from, and they've said something that's just triggered you and you think, how dare you have that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, we don't. We just yes. because you don't ever need to respond to anything immediately. Take a deep breath, 
you wait Breast. for your emotions to subside and exactly. then you look at it from an objective point of view. Yes. Yeah, so if I were to summarize that, exactly that, so indicate where your stress is, breathe in to the stress area and breathe out, ground yourself in yes. that moment, pause, be silent, and then choose your response yes. accordingly. You can choose to be uh, angry. Mm-hmm. You can, it, but it's up to you. Don't allow just the impulse yes. to decide on your behalf. You be stronger than your impulses. And that's another layer we need to look at. We are not our thoughts. We are not our emotions. We are not our body. We are much more than that. We have uh, an intelligence within us that can control these three mm-hmm. intelligence systems, the body, mind, and and. Uh, uh, emotion, right? So, so we breathe through it. To breathe. Oh, and it has to be belly breathing. Okay. Why? Because you are uh, stimulating the parasympathetic nervous system, which is all here. It's all here. So in through the nose. In through the, the nose. Into the belly and make sure your belly sticks out. Yeah, and I know for us women, a... for us women, we don't like that. We don't like to see our, our bellies really stick out. We, we, we strive for a flat stomach, but guys, that's, it's, okay. that's okay. Because when you breathe it all out, you just, you just take your stomach back in, either breathe it through, through, out through your nose or out through your mouth. Is it right that you need to breathe out longer than you breathe in? Yes. Yes. To, to get rid of all of it. Exactly. There are many techniques for breathing, uh, and they all have different kind of names. There's one technique called the box technique, mm. uh, which is inhaling four counts, holding for four counts, exhaling for another four counts, and then holding yes. for another four counts. So that's the box breathing. But you have different types. You have fire breathing, which is just from the nose, and it's like really fast types of breathing. Yeah. And while your tongue is up on sticking up to the palate of your mouth and your eyeballs rolled up looking at your pineal gland. I mean, there's so many wow. things. There's trauma breathing, hypotropic breathing. We might bring you back in. Oh my that. goodness, that's crazy. That's really good. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. Yeah. So I think, how do we take that back to the context of work? Um, and happiness. And yeah. happiness, happiness at work. It's once you learn all these techniques, if you need to just get out of where you are because you are now facing a, a, a terrible email right there, yes. exactly, I love the example you gave, just go to the bathroom, yeah. do your breath work, do your purging, do your crying, just yes. give yourself that space, give yourself permission to purge. And this is another thing we have, another problem we have. We feel that we are not allowed to show emotions at work. We are not allowed allowed to be humans at work. That's absolutely wrong. There's a reason why the word emotion has the word motion in it, right? Because there's movement. Without movement, if we don't move physically, if we don't move those emotions out, we'll be just a bubble of disaster. (laughs) So you have to release. Look at animals. And I love using the example of animals. Ducks, okay? As simple as ducks in a pond. Uh, two uh, two males, they just fight, right? Or they're just there swimming about and then suddenly they start flapping those wings. And you're like, why are they flapping those wings? Calm down, man. Yeah, what's wrong with you? That's a way of releasing energy. Yeah. They don't need to be fighting and they don't need, they, they could be just swimming, swimming about and all of a sudden they're yeah. flapping their wings. 
every sentient being on this planet has energy that needs to be circulated, yes. has to be given and taken, given and taken. And when we take, 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 we can implode. And when we give, 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 we can burn out. Yeah. So we have to figure out a beautiful way of releasing and taking in, releasing and taking in. Um, and, and, and if we, if we have blocks or, or let's say if others are not taking in this energy or not giving it out, you have to find a way to release yeah, it. Course. And, and one of the ways is through physical exercise, yeah. through meditation, through stretching, through breathing. And, you know, um, and in the way we live our lifestyles, we're just working and sitting on our desks all day. So you need to release. You need to move. Yes. You need to move. So going back to emotions, it's the same with emotions. You need physical movement, you need emotional movement. Um, and emotional movement is important at work because it's emotions that actually make a change, yes. that actually create innovations, that actually get you from one decision to another. And it allows you to be creative. Well. And, and it's just about how to manage these emotions, how to use proper communication, mm. uh, respectful communication, nonviolent communication to move these emotions to create impact. Yes right? We just need to expand our vocabulary, expand our, um, when I say vocabulary, uh, let's go to the feeling wheel. Have you heard of the feeling wheel before? Okay. So in the feeling wheel, uh, you, you look at, we usually, uh, we're able to identify maybe five feelings, yes. sadness, joy, anger, jealousy, uh, and disgust. So these are your main five negative emotions. But we don't know that there are branches, further layers to sadness, further layers to joy, layers to anger. So for example, I'm sad maybe because I'm feeling insecure. So the thing is, people don't have a wide enough vocabulary to really identify their specific emotions and be able to express it correctly with others. Uh, anger, they're just angry, yeah. but they don't know that there's maybe um, doubt behind the anger. Doubt about what? Yeah. Go deeper, go deeper, go deeper. Yeah. So people have to do the deep work. Yeah, of course. They can't just look at things on, on, on what, it, what is seen and vipassana, yeah. which means seeing the world as it is. Mm. It's just seeing the world as it is without any kind of reaction or judgment or giving any meaning to it. Okay, I see your faces, you're frowning like that, but that doesn't mean that you're angry. Yeah. It could mean so many things. Maybe you're in deep thought. Maybe you're, uh, you know, you're thinking about something else. Uh, maybe you heard something that triggered you and you're trying to control yourself, but that doesn't mean you're angry with this person is angry with you. Yes. We, we tend to make immediate judgments and mm. that's, and that's wrong. That's wrong. We need to always give ourselves options. I love that. And in neurolinguistic programming, that's what I learned too. Create options all the time. Mm. Your life is never one way. It's not just a narrow journey, a narrow path. There's so many paths. All roads lead to Rome, as they say, yeah. right? And that's true with your emotions, with your goals, with your objectives. And, and that's how my healing journey was, actually. Okay, so Corinne, final question. What is your big piece of advice for companies who'd like to improve happiness within the workplace? Wow. There are so many elements to it. First, it needs to start with the leadership mm. itself. The guys at the top running the company. Are they willing to create a culture that's thriving? Mm. 
uh, an employee base that's happy and satisfied with their work? That's number one. Because what do companies look for? They're, they're, they, they look, they're looking for uh, revenues, they're looking for market share, they're looking for uh, profits, for sure, and they're looking for employee satisfaction. Because studies have shown that when employee satisfaction is, is high, shareholder returns are high, yeah. right? So the shareholders are happy. Everyone's happy. Everyone's happy. <laughs> so this is now... They know this, but they're not doing enough. Mm. So let's start with the leadership, and that's number one. We got to get the leadership in the right mindset, mm. right? Uh, it's not enough for strategy to work without a thriving culture. Okay. You know the saying, um, uh, "Culture is it culture eats uh, strategy for breakfast yes. or something like that?" Yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah so strategy and culture need to work hand in hand. Um, number two. Happiness shouldn't just be originated from the HR department because everybody has this wrong idea or this idea, sorry, it's not wrong, but this idea that HR needs to be managing all this. Now, going back to that point, and I watched a beautiful TED Talk from a comedian on what is a chief happiness officer. And he says this, I, uh, I'll, I forgot the name already, uh, but he says, just as a CEO needs a CFO, mm. Strategy needs culture. Mm. HR needs happiness. And why? HR is just inundated with operational work yes. of getting paperwork done, the pay and compensation benefits on time, and all these sort of things, right? And following the labor law and dealing with employee grievances and whatever. But they really uh, have... They don't have the time, even though they'd want to have yeah. the time, to focus on uh, the happiness and well-being of people. Well-being, more like. Uh, that's why now we see diversity and inclusion becoming really huge and becoming a mandate uh, for HR personnel right yes. now. But still, even with that, they need help. Okay. So what do we do? We need to create corporates who have happiness ambassadors. If corporates cannot hire a chief happiness officer yeah, to, no to complement a chief human uh, resources officer, let's create human, uh, let's create happiness ambassadors mm -hmm. in the workplace. How do we do that? First, you have to, and going back to the beginning of our interview, where I said it takes a special kind of human to be a happiness ambassador. Someone who's really went through so much and values life and values people and loves to help, loves to be of service, has high empathetic skills, yeah. has high EQ. In life, it's not enough to have just high IQ. You need to have high EQ. You need to have high SQ, social intelligence. Yes. And you need to have high PQ, positive uh, intelligence uh, and uh, positive intelligence. Uh, that's another scientist who totally developed an assessment around that. So create happiness ambassadors in the workplace. Uh, train them. Train. I would say take them on their on the silent retreat okay. for ten days, okay. so they can really experience happiness from within and yeah. peace. Then, as they come back, how, uh, train them on the competencies of happiness. How they can. Um, uh, help with stress 
management, with anxiety, with managing burnout, uh, bringing in meditation practices in the workplace, uh, bringing in well-being experts, bringing in yoga experts, whatever it is. It, and it's just not a one-off thing. It's yeah, got to be a frequent thing, right? It's got to be a regular uh, project uh, in terms of, it's not enough to just have one team building activity in the year or one yoga session in the year or every month. It's got, it's got, it's got to be regular and it's got to be eclectic mm. eclectic tackling the different senses the, the the everything right and and then train these guys on how to measure and monitor happiness based on the KPIs of the business they need to understand the business objectives and create key happiness indicators yeah. or happiness objectives around that uh, for example studies have shown that happier employees are more productive, they bring in more sales, they bring in more customer engagement, and they bring in higher uh, profits. The catches, the catches, and, and this is by studies from Gallup and Harvard. Imagine 1% of highly engaged employees bring in $5,000 a year for profit mm. versus one toxic employee uh, cuts out $12,000 yeah. from the profit. So even though 1% of the workforce brings just $5,000, but if you compare that to one toxic employee, uh, they can actually create a loss of $12,000 for companies a year. Yeah. So what are we saying here? It's not enough to just have happiness ambassador, ambassador, sorry, but it's also to pick those employees who are really toxic um, and who are not acting out the values of the yes. company. And, and, there, and there we go again. We need to look again and review uh, and align with the values we have in the company. So in, we said leadership, but it's also about the values of the company. Are the values, are people aligned with the values? Are they behaving in a way that is aligned with the values of the company? And are these values really the values we want to have as a company? So maybe it's about reassessing the values. Maybe the values are not quite right. But if they were, how can we create programs and initiatives where, he, where, where employees are behaving according to the set of values in the company yeah. and then creating engagement initiatives and then monitoring and tracking this yeah. behavior, be it in engagement levels, be it in innovation levels, be it in sales, are sales going up, uh, be it even in one, uh, you know, the feedback um, uh, with, with performance appraisals, what, what's really good is, the, is having the 360 feedback yes. that they do where people ask other people about your own mm -hmm. performance. So it's not enough to just have data in terms of quantity, but in terms of quality as yeah. well. And the quality comes from the relationships you build at work, how they feel when they work with you. Are you delivering on time um, with, with, uh, with your projects, with your deliverables? Are you a reliable employee? Are you a team player or are you working silo and you're just Amazing. doing your own thing? So it's so many factors. So, and there's not one answer to that, okay. unfortunately. No, well, that's very helpful. Yeah. And thank you. We'll, we'll end it there. Yeah. But Karina, it has been such a pleasure. Not only do you have such amazing life experience, but you're also just a wealth of knowledge and 
I've loved getting to know you. And Thank you, Nikki. Thank you so much. I, I, I wish I were to, uh, you know, summarize this properly. I, I wish I had a way to summarize all of, all of this properly. But it really takes a lot of work to be a happiness ambassador, to be a chief happiness officer, be it at work or in your personal life and when you're dealing with people. But it really all comes down to relationships. And I'm so happy yes. we, we have now a good relationship. Absolutely. The power of connection is really important. And, and that, by far, Far will surpass anything that AI today and machine learning oh, yeah. is doing today. AI doesn't have empathy. Absolutely. <laughs> so, even if you teach it, even if you teach it, it's the connection, it's 100%. the charisma, it's the chemistry that human beings have with each other yes. that's going to surpass everything. 100%. And let's cool. let's keep that let's in keep mind. Going. Let's yeah. keep that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Corrine. Nikki Bedford, your host. This is She Leads the Way. We'll see you next time. Bye.